The following is a King's Chapel, Alaska presentation with Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passions making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's call and help us be the personal, powerful, permeating church God's called us to be. For more information, visit kcalaska.com or find us on Facebook. Here's Pastor Daniel. Would you stand with us and take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke as I preach a message on keys to releasing your faith. Everything you see around you has been given to us by faith, this building, the property, everything that's happening. Faith's important. How many of you know that? All right. Luke chapter 7, verse 1 through 10. When Jesus had finished saying, all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. Reading from the New International Version, verse 3. The centurion heard, he did what? He heard of Jesus and sent some of the elders, the Jews, to him, asking him to come and to heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, Quote, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue, end quote. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion and his friends, centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word. Do what? Say the word and my servant will be healed, for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. I tell this one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him and turned to the crowd following him and said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the man whom had sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you're doing, God, in our midst, what you did over this past weekend with the women's conference. I stand in awe. And all that you're doing, God, with our property and reaching the lost and expanding the church. And we look, Lord, with great expectancy this morning, not only this message, but the services that are even to follow. And tonight, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, we pray, God, that you would give us living understanding. Come on, ask God to give you understanding. God, you would give us understanding, wisdom from heaven, that we would move in a greater dynamic of faith than we ever have before. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you, as is our custom. Greetings to our online people. God bless you. What motivated my wife and I to move from one of the most beautiful places in the world... Kauai to here in Alaska was faith. God spoke to us and gave us faith. He gave us confident assurance of what we cannot, could not see. We know now Alaska to be even more beautiful than Hawaii. And, um, and it sure is nice to visit the islands, especially during the winter months. A faith is, is, there's many facets to faith. So this is not the be-all, the end-all message on faith. But it is going to help you, and it certainly has helped and impacted me. 
faith. Come on, somebody say, Lord, increase my faith. It's an example of great faith. In fact, it says that Jesus was amazed at the centurion. He's amazed two times in scripture about people's faith or the lack of it. Here, he's amazed at the centurion's faith. And then he was amazed at their unbelief also. I want Jesus to be amazed by our faith. I think I have amazed him at my unbelief. Does anybody else think maybe you've made amazed? I think maybe I've amazed him at my unbelief before. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6, without faith it is impossible. It's what? It's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he is the rewarder. He's the what? Rewarder of those who earnestly or diligently seek him. So without faith, you can't please God. Without faith, it's absolutely impossible to please God. Mark 9, and for those of you on the computer pulling scriptures, going to a lot of scriptures, if you're able to get to them and put them on the screen, that'd be awesome. Mark 9, verse 6. Mark 9, 6 says, A man in the crowd answered, Teacher, I brought you my son, who was possessed by a spirit, It has robbed him of speech. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him into the ground. He foams at the mouth and he gnashes at his teeth and he becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Verse 19, Jesus says, oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long will I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring me the boy. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And I think with that lack of faith that we can even displease him. I'm just thankful he knows everything. And he's causing us to grow and become more like him. All things are possible to him that believe. Your faith. Come on, I have a 4570 Marlin at my house. And how many of you know what a 4570 is? It's a a significant uh, size caliber weapon. And uh, I'm told that the gun that I have is is, uh, commonly put in aircraft because it's smaller and short and it's good bear protection, so on and so forth. And um, I've allowed my son to shoot that. And uh, I've allowed uh, Crystal Garma. Do you remember Crystal Garma? She's about four foot ten. We just saw her in California, preached in Antioch, California. No, she's not. And she's petite. And so we allowed her to shoot the gun and told her, hold on. I mean, hold on. One gentleman we were with said, just put it up on your shoulder and put about a, about a half an inch gap. I said, no, you're not, you're not doing that. I said, you're not doing that. Come on, that, that's not cool. Anyway, she put it on her hip, and when she shot it, it, it spun her around. The trigger, I mean, it literally turned her. When my son at, at nine years old, I allowed him to shoot it with supervision. Everybody say supervision. With supervision, it turned him. The trigger was the release of the, of the power to release the bullet. When your faith is a trigger for releasing God's power in your life. And if your faith is cut off or hindered or maybe warped, you're going to have a problem pulling the trigger, seeing God manifest the, the hole and the, the enemy in front of you, if we could say it that way, or seeing the mountain be moved. And anything, and nothing's impossible with God. Mark, Matthew 17 
talks about that. All right, Jesus rebukes his disciples for their unbelief, and you'll see it over and over. He rebukes them. He says, according to your faith, may be done unto you. Matthew, Matthew 9, 28 says, when they gone indoors, a blind man came to him, and he asked him, do you believe that I'm able to do this? He said, yes, Lord, they replied. In verse 29, he trusts their eyes, and he said, according to your faith, may be done unto you. That means, according to your faith. Everybody said, make it personal. According to my faith. Ready? Say it. According to my faith, may be done unto me. Now, now don't just robotically say it. Internalize it. Think about this and say it again and make it personal. According to my faith may be done unto me. That means your faith is important to how the turnout's going to be in your life. So we ought to pay attention to that. It's, it's pretty crucial. I, I don't really like scriptures like that so much because it gives, puts responsibility on me. You have responsibility for how it turns out. Many people think that God's just going to, you know, do it for him. He's not going to just do it for you. He partners with you. Well, hallelujah. So you look at the centurion. It's sort of odd learning faith from a pagan in scripture. But you'll see that faith is, was shown in his everyday life. You say, how's that? He, he says he loved his servant. I mean, he loved his servant that he didn't want his slave to die. Now, that's unusual in the first century. Slaves were considered chattel. They didn't really mean anything. I mean, they, they, were, they meant money. It was, it was, slaves were worth something. So, but it's more than that. It's more than just saving his investment, which is a cruel thing to say. But that's really how they looked at human beings as slaves. He really loved his servant. My goodness. You read different various manuscripts and histories of that time period, you'll notice the slaves were treated very cruelly by Romans. See, there was, it, was, it was sickening, actually, what they did with slaves. And although a Roman, this is faith in his everyday life, so you saw that he loved his neighbor. Let me just say it that way. He loved this, his, his slave. He loved this person. And although a Roman, he loved Israel and the God of Israel. He was a giver. He gave. He loved God, and so he gave actually a synagogue. Faith is seen in this man's everyday life. He loved his, he loved his, his, uh, his family, if you could say it that way. He loved, he loved the God of Israel building a, a synagogue. Thirdly, he's humble. Matthew's gospel records that, uh, that he, he wouldn't even come see Jesus himself. He's a centurion. He's over a hundred soldiers. I mean, it's a, it's a man of power. And yet he was humble. The fourth thing that you see is in verse three. And I made, I said, I had you repeat it. He heard that Jesus, he heard about Jesus. That means he'd never even seen Jesus. Possibly he'd never seen him, but he'd heard. Somebody told him, this is the, this is the Messiah. This is the miracle worker. This is the guy, heals the sick, set the captives free. He heard that Jesus, it shows power in your witness. But I don't, I don't think he ever saw any miracles done. You know, some people will never believe unless they see it. This, this centurion had faith even though he had never seen a miracle. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But there's something that's very powerful about your testimony. There's something that's powerful that releases faith in those that, that, that in, in the hearing of your words. 
when, when you say, God, Jesus did this for me. God has done this for me. It releases encouragement. I remember years ago, I mean, I just, I mean, I was in the very back row wearing ripped clothes, not really in my right mind. Now, I thought I was, but I, now I know I wasn't. <laughs> Hearing the testimony of Michael Gannon. And he testified about how God did many miracles for him. And I thought, if God did it for that guy, <laughs> he could do it for me. That, and that was my, my thinking. Your testimony is powerful, releases faith. That brings me to the, the second aspect here. Faith is tied to authority. Faith is tied to authority. Verse 8. Verse 8. Come on, look at verse 8 with me. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one go and he goes. I tell that one come and he comes. I say to the servant, do this and he does it. He has this understanding of authority. He was under authority. Everybody say he was under authority. Secondly, he was not only under authority, he exercised his authority. He did what? He exercised his authority. He told people what to do. And thirdly, he recognized Jesus' authority. He understood that just as he had authority in the natural, Jesus had authority in the spirit. He had an understanding of authority. So, Roman numeral three. What's God saying to us? Very simply this morning, will Jesus be amazed at your faith or your unbelief? Will Jesus be amazed at my faith or my unbelief? I mean, if he was just to take a snap shot of your faith right now, how you're living, is he going to be amazed or is he going to be like, oh, sinful, unbelieving generation or sinful, perverse, unbelieving generation? I want Jesus to be amazed. I think we all do. If you love God, you want to please him. Two times in scripture, as I said, the Lord is amazed here he's amazed and then mark 6 verse 4 mark 6 verse 4 jesus said to them only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor verse 5 he couldn't do many miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people that's interesting to me and I've taught and preached on it many times before. Only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do many miracles there. Would you go up to verse 3? Actually, go, to, go Mark 6, verse 1. Jesus left there, went to his hometown. So what's his hometown? Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. Verse 2, please. And when the Sabbath came, he began to teach them in the synagogue. And many who heard him were amazed. They were what? They were amazed. Now the crowd's amazed. It's not Jesus is amazed. The crowd's amazed. And they say, well, where did this man get these things, they asked. And what wisdom has been given him? What remarkable uh, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? So stop before you go to verse 3. So their estimation, the, the congregation's view, 
the crowd of the hometown of Nazareth looks at Jesus and they say, man, this guy's got it going on. One version says what grace are on his lips and wisdom has been given him and remarkable. What kind of miracles? Remarkable miracles. What kind? Remarkable miracles. Next verse. Isn't this the carpenter? Uh Uh-oh. Isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. So their estimation of what's happening is the power of God's being manifested. But then their their, their mind, their intellect says, wait a second. I changed his diapers when he was younger. How could this be actually happening? They're totally offended. And offense will shut down the anointing in your life and it'll shut down the anointing in a room. It'll shut down the power of God. It's a whole nother message really, but it's very important. Go to the next verse. And they took offense at him. And Jesus said, a prophet's without honor. Except in his hometown. Really what that's saying is that honor releases or creates an environment for God to move. And if you lack, if you have a lack of honor, if you have a lack of respect, what happens is it can shut down the power of God in your life. A prophet's without honor in his own. Come on, honor releases life. Honor releases the king. Honor is a key for releasing the kingdom of God. Honor is, it's not in your notes. I mean, I'm kind of rabbit trailing just a little bit. Honor is a, is a way of, is a key for releasing your faith. I was overwhelmed in California. It's a black church, really. It's a multicultural church, but it's got uh, a, a black church in that. And what I mean by that is, I'm just saying, black folks know how to honor, man. They do. I mean, it's just like everything from getting picked up to, uh, I mean, I, I'm a handed, handed handkerchiefs. I mean, there's just a sense of, of awe and respect that, that I think sometimes we, it can get weird too. It didn't there, but it can be overly strange, you know, where they're trying to blow your nose for you and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I could blow my own nose, you know, but there is a key. Honor releases life. Honor your father and mother. Have a long life. Dishonor mom and dad. The converse of that is true. Dishonor your father and mother. Shorten your lifespan. And so here in this text, he says a prophet's without honor. Now watch this now. What kind of, what kind of miracles did they say were happening? Remarkable miracles. Watch this. So they are looking, they're like, whoa, man, remarkable miracles. Who is this? Where do you get the wisdom? Hey, isn't this, wait a second, Wait, that's Jesus. And then Jesus says, a prophet without honor in his hometown, among his own relatives and his, and his own home. Go to the next verse. He could not do any miracles there. Wait a second. I thought they just said there was remarkable miracles. Well, that's their view of it. Their view of the meeting was remarkable miracles. God's view of the meeting is he couldn't do anything. Two different perspectives on what was happening. He could not do any miracles there except lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And so I guess that, to their view of it, was remarkable miracles. But actually, it shut down the power of God because of a lack of honor and a lack of understanding of who he was. They did not know who he was and their perception of who Jesus was shut down the power of God and Jesus moved on from there. 
He didn't set up his base of operations there. He moved on to Capernaum. And Capernaum he was received. And the kingdom of God came down in Capernaum. But in Nazareth, it was shut down. I don't ever want to be in Nazareth. Anybody else? I don't want to be in Nazareth. The centurion was under authority, exercised his authority. He recognized Jesus' authority. What's God saying to us? Will Jesus be amazed at your faith or your unbelief? And here now, their perceptions were very different. Nazareth and the centurion, if we could apply the two. Nazareth percepting Jesus is just a carpenter's son. The centurion's perception is that he could do it without even showing up. Just just say the word. Your perception of who God is will determine whether you flow in power, miracle signs and wonders, or whether you have none. And let me further on go on to say that it's very important that those who are leading you, that you have respect for them. And, and it's not something that, respect is not something that has to be, um, respect is not something that should be demanded of people. It should be earned. And when it's earned, it releases confidence. If you're if you're a if you're a leader and you don't you don't show yourself to be faithful, show yourself to be loyal, then nobody's going to follow you. Nobody in their right mind, anyway. Your confidence, because you've been proven and you've shown yourself faithful. You keep your word. You show up on time. You do what you say you're going to do. Onward, character, integrity. Those things are crucial. Come on, somebody say Amen. And if you ever lose respect for, for a leader, if you ever lose respect for me, I pray that we're able to work it out. God forbid we're not able to, but if that's the case, you'll not be able to receive from me anymore. You say, really? Yes, really. You lose respect for the, the, your pastor, then, then the power of God will be shut down for you. I, I, I've had, come on, some of you know my testimony. I, I used to, you know, when I was being released in ministry early on, there was aunties and people that saw me crawl in. You, you, I crawled in. So they saw me crawl in, and I was just, you know, I was, I was Danny. I was Dan. The, the, yeah, Dan, the, yeah, he's the guy who's... He was really messed up. This guy, Dan, he was messed up. Okay, now, now I'm up front. I've gone through school. And God's elevating me. I'd lay hands on people. It's like handing, laying hands on a cinder block. Because in their mind, I was just a drug addict that came in like last week. It was years before, but you know, how many of you get older? It's like last week. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. That's the way it is for me anyway. I'm thinking, was that last year? I thought it was last month. Jesus, tell me the years just fly by. And so I'd lay hands on folks. It'd be like, they don't, you know, I'd go to pray for them. They don't receive anything. I go to the next person who perceives me to be a man of great faith or anointing and sees God's power flowing through me. And they just know when I'm going to pray for them, they're going to get healed. Guess what happens? They get healed. It doesn't even have anything to do with me necessarily. It has everything to do with their perception. Do you know, Dr. Morocco, uh, the, the man has been there for me through, I mean, just from the time I was saved and on. At every juncture of healing and deliverance, he was there. And I, I don't even, I, 15 seconds. If I'm in a, tr- in a crisis, I, I don't even need a 15-second prayer. Five, I need five seconds. However, the, the, the words, I mean, it's almost like he just has to turn his attention. I don't even think he has to say anything. And I get healed, I get the miracle, I get the wisdom, I get the breakthrough. Why? Because that's where my faith is at with him. When, when my spiritual father prays for me, dude, it's going to happen. Because it's happened so many times before, and that's who I see him. Is he perfect? No, he's a man. 
But my perception of him is he's a great man of God, and it's shown by his character's integrity, years of, of, of being faithful and loyal. And every time he's prayed for me, I get a miracle. Now, now it's just even faster than, than ever. Lord, Pastor Morocco, would you pray for me? Heavenly Father, bang. I mean, let me have to finish. Let me have to say amen. I just got it. That's how it is for me. And I think it's because it's tied, I was thinking about it, it's tied to, it's tied to perception. It's tied to, I have faith that God's going to use him to touch me, to bring me to the place where I need to be. Oh, hallelujah. How's your perception? Because your, your faith is hindered or released by your perception. Look at number two. Your faith is hindered or released by your perception. Your perceptions will hinder or release the power of God. Colossians 2 is worth putting up, please. Colossians 2 in verse 8. Colossians 2, verse 8. Just a moment longer and we'll conclude the service. Whenever you're ready. Colossians 2, verse 8. Turn there if you would in your Bibles. I'm just thankful I'm not back there on those electronics. Jesus, help us. There it is. Thank you so much. See to it that no one takes you captive. Oh, takes you what? Captive. That's like, how many of you know you, you can be brought and held captive, right? It's not a good thing. See to it that no one takes you captive through. How are they going to take you captive? They're going to take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Whoa. Wow. See to it that, listen, there is a whole group of folks that are held captive by philosophy and, 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 and vanity, the rudiments of this world and tradition. It's amazing to me that, that Jesus, when, at the beginning of in creation, he said, let there be light. Let there, let there be light. He spoke and said, let there be light. Boom, there's light. God's word, he stands over to see it performed. You know, when God spoke, there's light. Light didn't have a discussion of whether it should exist or not. It didn't debate it. Well, I'm not sure whether, was that really him? I mean, it, it just, it didn't have a choice. When God, when God created, when God spoke, it did not have a, an argument about it. But we're made in God's image. See, we're, we're not inanimate objects. We're actually made in his image and likeness. And, and really the one thing that can shut down God's power, that can shut down the anointing, that can shut down miracles, is, is our own mental offense and perception about it. You see, if you, if you, you can unplug, and, and I think it's, is it Mark? Maybe it's in my notes. Let me look. Mark 7, praise the Lord. I put it in there. Mark 7, watch this. Go to Mark 7, verse uh, 6. 7, 8. Go to Mark 8. No, pardon me. Mark 7, verse 8. Go media team. You've let go the commands of God and are holding on to your traditions. Verse 9. You continue, you have a fine way of settling the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. Verse 10. 
For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Anyone who curses his father and mother will be put to death, verse 11. But I say to you, anyone who declares what might have been used to help their father and mother is Corbin, that is, that is devoted to God, verse 12. One could, I could teach on there, just need to move on. Then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother, verse 13. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down, leave that up, and do many things like that. The only one that can unplug the, the word of God is you. Me. Now think about that. Think about the power and the authority he gives us by the word. But if our perception is, is that, well, I'm not sure that's the word. And I'm not even sure that's the Bible. I'm not even sure really God said that. Well, then you're just nullified. You just, you just unplug. You just unplug the power and just walk off and, and be stupid all by yourself. Amen. But if you really understand that the word of God is the word of God, and when God speaks to you, and the promises of the word of the God, listen, listen very carefully, the promises of the word of the God are the basis by which you pray. And when you pray the promises, they are yes and amen for us, and they will come about. The devil will flee if you resist him. It, he just, if he hasn't fleed yet, you're not done resisting. You stand on the word of God. You stand on the word and you will see the mountain move. It might, might not move in the first 15 minutes of your faith, but it will move. Speak to the mountain, it'll move. Come on, you've got to, you've got to move in a dimension of faith and authority. Don't nullify your faith. Don't nullify the word of God through tradition. Back to Colossians chapter 2. Through deceptive philosophy. You know what, let me, just, let me just give you a definition of philosophy. Here's philosophy. Definition, the way I see it is. That's philosophy. That's a definition of philosophy. Who gives a flip the way somebody sees it? How about the way God says it is? Stand on that. Stand on that. Stand on the word. And don't stand on the word. Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, look, it's good to study to show yourself approved. And if you don't know, then your faith will be undermined. But you can know. You can understand. You can learn and get the promises of God and get in them like a, like a tank and mow down the opposition. These are some keys to your faith. Oh, hallelujah. Faith is tied to your understanding of authority. Do we respect authority? Do you? 40 years ago, we had a counterculture movement. Some of you grew up in that. It's called the 60s. <laughs> Come on, smile at me. Praise the Lord. He grew up in the 60s, and there was an intense desire in the 60s to break down all structure and to just to, to break all the rules and just make freedom for everybody. Free love. Wasn't love, wasn't free. And basically, those structures destroyed, destroyed the family. Divorce, d divorce had gone rampant. Respect and honor was lost. And that's, and that's one of the reasons uh, that we don't, you know, we don't call me just, oh, hi, Daniel. And the reason we don't is we honor the office of pastor, and that's why I'm called pastor. It's not like I need a pat on the back. I get my confidence in my prayer closet, not by somebody calling me pastor. But you don't, we're not, we don't, on purpose, to create a culture of honor. That, that, that hippie California culture just made everybody's just the same, and you can call him Jim, and, you know... It, that's not the way it is in every other culture of the world except for in the 60s culture of America that just dialed everybody down just the same. There's different levels of honor and, and respect. And we need to honor and respect each other, but do you respect authority? Do you?
we lose the understanding of authority. If we lose the under, when we lose the understanding of authority, we lose the miraculous power of God. Really, I believe that. What are you saying? I'm saying we can go to a new level of respect and honor of each other. We absolutely can. We absolutely can. How is that seen? I think it can be seen through a man opening a door for a woman. I think it can be seen through our words and through our speech and building one another up. I've noticed um, just recently done my own little laboratory test. I don't know how. Maybe I've learned it this time. I, I hope that I have. But you know, when you speak life to people and you honor them, yeah. what, it, what begins to happen is they begin to, they begin to rise. It releases life. You can hold somebody in, in critical uh, judgment and, and, uh, and allow for them never to even rise and become to do anything. And never, never get out of the hole that you stuffed them in. Well, somebody else might see them as a great man of God, but for you, or a woman of God, for you, because of what happened or the things that you've been through, you hold them in a ditch. You can see people rise and change because you honor them. You love them. When it works in marriage, husbands, if you, if, if you love and honor and respect your wife and vice versa. I mean, the scripture says wives honor and respect your husband. But that cycle, it creates life in a marriage when you lose that. Come on. Some of you, some of you wives nitpick your husband up one side, down the other, man. And so he just feels like he can't do anything right. Great. So what's he do? He's just, you're just self-fulfilling the prophetic nitpicking that you bring over him. Hello. And some of you husbands, and you just feel disrespected, and then you can't, you can't give the love that your wife will flourish and grow in. And it's this vicious cycle. We have a whole class on it. Well, hallelujah. That's bonus. Do we operate in the authority God's given us? i got to conclude this. Do we operate the authority that the Lord has given us? Do you? Are you operating in that authority? Matthew 28, verse 18, All authority has been given, heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples. That means it takes authority to make disciples. Baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you, even at the very end of the age. Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever be loosed on earth will be loosed in heaven. Matthew 18, 18, I tell you the truth. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. It says the same thing he did in Matthew 16. Have you placed... I mean, he's placed you and I in the world to be basically an ambassador. And he's given us his word. You've got to believe. Look at your notes now. Believe what God has said. Secondly, exercise your authority. How do you do that? You exercise your authority in prayer. Lots of scriptures for that. You exercise by persevering in obeying God. Come on, your children. You're training your children. I don't know. Anybody raising children here? How many of you ever raised children? They're grown up. All right. Well, they're kind of like puppies. They just don't flat out obey on the first command. You have to teach them. You have to instruct them. You have to train them. My wife's upset because I related children to dogs. But the truth is, they're nothing like dogs. Of course, they're beautiful children. But they also have rebellion in their hearts. Come on. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. And you're going to have to drive it far from them. And that happens through repeated training. Amen. Many times on the, on the seat of their understanding. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? 
You've got to persevere. You've got to persevere with God. You have to persevere against the wiles of the enemy. You have to persevere with your kids. And with puppy dogs too. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Authority comes and faith is released, not because you're cool or smart or educated, but because of the power of the Holy Spirit and the word of the Lord. That's why. All right. So far, two things we've seen. Will Jesus be amazed at your faith? And we've given you some keys for unlocking that. Secondly, faith is tied to your perception, your understanding of authority. So if you don't think the word of God is the word of God, then you'll never stand on it to pray it, to see him stand over it, to perform it. Did you follow that? If you don't understand the word of God is the word of God, then you won't use that to wage a good warfare. You won't use that to see God stand over it, to perform it. And you'll just dismiss it because of your perception. The third thing is be humble. Everybody say be humble. humble. Worship team, would you come please? Be humble. Everybody say it. Be humble. Hallelujah. Some of you have been blocked from what God has called you to do because you've gotten offended. Maybe you've gotten offended at God. Maybe you've gotten offended at your spouse. Maybe you've gotten offended at me. I mean, I, I don't know. But offense will suspend you and hold you in a place of nullification. Null and void land. The land of null and void. You've got you to gotta, you gotta just forgive. You've got to let go. And you've got you've to settle some things for yourself. If, if you don't know the word of God is the word of God, well, we've got classes to teach you how to do that. To, to, why is that? Why is this God's word? Can you prove that? Yes, absolutely can. Can you? It's a whole nother message. Can't do it right now. It's just not enough time. I mean, 66 different books, three different continents. Written from from royalty to farmers. All says the same thing, never contradicts itself, and it thinks if you think that it does, it's only because you're not educated. And that you have a, a come on, somebody say amen. He said, Well, I don't believe that's the word of God, but yes, yeah, true. It's like, but you don't really want to take the effort really to find out whether it really is, because because if you do, I'm not talking to anybody in here. I'm sure. But if you, because if you do, then it mandates that you change your lifestyle. And it mandates actually that you worship and that you tithe and that you give and that you love your neighbor as yourself. It mandates that you can't live the way you want to live anymore. It's evidence as, as the one man of God said, that'll demand a verdict in your life. And you'll have to choose who you serve this day, either serve the Lord or serve yourself. And many people don't really want to seek God and know him because it mandates that their life changes. But they really don't know is they really don't know that that he actually in the changing of your life gives you everything you've ever looked for and satisfy the deepest desires and longings of your heart and that what you tried to get done outside the will of God through your own rebellion and your own demanding of doing things your own way and trying to seek pleasure is destroyed and, and eats at you like a cancer but when you yield to the word of God and obey his word then he actually fulfills the very purpose that you were born can somebody say amen? Are you using the word of God? Are you moving in authority? Are you praying with authority? Are you standing on the word? Come on, somebody say hallelujah. Stand up on your feet. I want you to, I'm going to lead you in some biblical declarations. All right? Are you ready? Say this. Say, I'm under authority. 
I have authority. Say that. Say, God wants to use me. And say, faith is being released in my life. All right, if you believe it, let's say it again. Say, I'm under authority. I have authority. God wants to use me. Faith will be released in my life. Say it again, last time. I'm under authority. I have authority. God wants to use me. Faith will be released in my life. Gosh, I almost feel like some of y'all are believing it. Come on, say it one more time. Say, I'm under authority. Say, I have authority. God wants to use me. And faith will be released in my life. Can you say amen? Put your hands together for Jesus. Let me pray and we'll close. Father, thank you for what you've done today. For your word, lamp unto a feet, light upon our path. I pray for those who've been offended. God, God help them right now. If you've been offended, just ask God to heal you and repent. Forgive. Some of you are offended at God. People will be offended at God at what he does and what he doesn't do. Just trust him. Trust his leadership. Trust him. I pray, God, that you would help us in this house to be people that honor you in your presence, that honor your word, and to honor each other, the structures that you've set in place for the sole purpose of releasing your kingdom and for being glorified here. I thank you that we do have a house that has honor. I thank you, Lord, for the blessing, Lord, of being a pastor here and the honor that I've sensed and felt over these eight-plus years. Lord, help us to honor each other, to love one another, as Christ even loved the church. To not only consider our own needs, but to consider other needs and even to meet them. That we would be on, on the offense of expressing your love and your power. Expressing your word. Forgive us for our unbelief. Lord, help us to move in a dimension of authority of the word of God and not have some argument or some philosophy some vain tradition the rudiments of the world we would not let we would not be brought captive let no one capture you capture you through vain philosophy tradition the rudiments of the world that false grace message all of that Lord help us to be true, rooted and grounded in your word, unmoved by the things of time and tradition. Holy Spirit, come, touch each and every one right now. Touch Holy Ghost.
close in just a moment. The Lord says, I've called you to leadership and you've known it. Even from the time you were a girl, you knew it. I've placed you in this place and the zeal of the house of the Lord even consumes you. Can't really wait to, just can't wait to get to church to worship him. Lord's going to use you in a, in a remarkable way of touching and, and releasing the word of the Lord, the power of God, even to those who've been confused and perplexed. I see God putting a special touch of deliverance upon you to bring to the lost, the hurting, and the broken. He says to, to go ahead and yoke yourself. You can, you can trust this place. <laughs> yoke yourself with these different ones that he's leading you to. Be 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 given to this season of training and elevation and I'll make you a leader I'll make you somebody that when when you lay hands on the sick you will truly see them recover you're already seeing that kind of thing but it's going to come in a greater way you're already seeing signs and wonders you're already seeing it's increasing more and more and more but the Lord says there's greater things that are yet ahead there's greater things ahead for you this is true give yourself to them and I just feel led to pray a certain way Father, the wounding that's taken place, even through authority that took advantage, Lord, that, that pierced through, through their heart, Lord, I believe, that's, I believe that's healed. But there's a residue. And God, I just pray that residue would go. The healing right now would come. Be made whole. Your heart, your emotions, your mind. That's a good prayer for everybody. Come on, lay hands on yourself. Come on, say, be made whole. Say it again. Be made whole. One more time. Be made whole in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Would you take someone by the hand? I hope you got encouraged. Pastor Karen, would you close us today? Lord, we thank you for your word that's gone forth this morning. And Lord, I pray that you just bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them, keep them, and give them peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you. Love y'all. See you soon. Feel free to stick around the 10 o'clock. Thanks for listening to King's Chapel, Alaska and Pastor Daniel Bracken. Our passion is making disciples of Jesus Christ who fulfill God's life call and help us to be the personal, powerful and permeating church God's called us to be. Get in touch with us anytime at 907-357-2065, 907-357-2065 or online at kcalaska.com, kcalaska.com. Friend us on Facebook and follow Pastor Daniel's tweets at Alaska Revival.